What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. I got a message regarding one of the uh, topics from the last hour. This is from Andy who says, Pete, are you certain that this was the first deep fake in Carolina politics? I mean, maybe the first ad, but surely not the first fake. Fair. That is a fair point. Um, headline at the Assembly North Carolina, theassemblync.com, the Assembly. This is one of the new, it's a new publication, fairly new now. Uh, a lot of retired journalismers, they've gone to work for the Assembly. Um, and they cover, you know, obviously, uh, legislative items and such. General Assembly, the Assembly, get it. Okay, uh, so this is a piece by Lucille Sherman and Jeff Billman, Jeffrey Billman. Uh, Lucille Sherman writes for Axios, uh, Raleigh, Lucille Sherman. And Jeffrey Billman, uh, he reports on politics and the law for the Assembly. He is the former editor-in-chief of Indie Week. Out of Durham. That is a leftist rag. Anyway, headline, Josh Stein's challenge with black voters. Or as I like to say, Stein's got a problem with black voters. So he's running against Mike Morgan. Mike Morgan was elected to the North Carolina Supreme Court in 2016. And... um. Morgan has not been able to really seriously threaten Attorney General Josh Stein uh, for the lead in this primary. At the end of 2023, Mike Morgan had raised $119,000 compared to Josh Stein's $17 million. So just a little bit of an imbalance there. Morgan with $119,000, Stein with $17 million. A recent poll from Meredith College shows Josh Stein 27 points ahead of Morgan, who is polling at 4%. 4%. Morgan was in third place. He's behind Sherelle Booker, a Tryon town council member who is also black. There are two other black candidates, Marcus Williams and Gary Fox. So Josh Stein is the only white guy running in the Democrat primary for governor. There are four black candidates running against him. Now, historically, when that happens in the Democrat primaries, the black vote ends up splitting, and that means the black candidate oftentimes loses because there are a couple of black candidates. (laughs) And so when you have more of them, they split the vote, and then the lone white guy, he he, uh, wins. So that's obviously where Stein is. He is in this position to win the nomination. Stein has been endorsed by Governor Roy Cooper, uh, my good friend Ray, as well as much of the party's establishment. Even before Stein announced his campaign in January of 2023, many insiders viewed his primary victory as a, a fait accompli. Morgan's decision to challenge him instead of seeking another term on the state Supreme Court seemed quixotic. Quixotic, Don Quixote, you're tilting at windmills. Like, this is, uh, 
This is a no win. You're not going to win. Why would you do this? This is a failed effort, right? But Morgan's allies say this institutionalism is precisely the problem. And I agree with him. I agree with Mike Morgan. Right? This is what I've, I've talked about this for years. This is the Democrat Party machine. Right? They have these sort of coronations. They have this procession from lieutenant governor or attorney general up through. Now it's your turn to run for governor. This has been the case for decades. And a lot of people thought that when the Republicans won in 2010, that they had somehow, you know, uh, broken and destroyed the Democrat machine. But they, they did not. I mean, yeah, they wounded it pretty severely. And the Democrat machine has been out of power, but that doesn't mean it doesn't still have power, particularly inside the Democrat Party, obviously. And Roy Cooper has been a part of that machine. He was one of the lieutenants, and now he's the leader of it. This is a a quote from Colette Alston. She is the chair of the North Carolina Democratic Party's African-American Caucus, which has endorsed Mike Morgan in the primary. Colette says, quote, there's always an assumption of who's supposed to be in office based on what they think rather than what the people of North Carolina think. Right? This is kingmaker mechanisms. Right? That's what we're talking about. Right? You you gotta go through, you have to kiss the rings. So and so says this is, you know, now it's your turn, now it's your turn. Right? There's a there's an order to these things. This year, party elites have rallied around not just Stein, but also Baby Jesus, Jeff Jackson, as well as Rachel Hunt, daughter uh, daughter of former Governor Jim Hunt, right? The OG kingmaker in the Democrat Party in North Carolina. And Allison Riggs. Allison Riggs is running for lieutenant, or uh, sorry, Supreme Court justice. She was appointed to that seat she's in right now by Roy Cooper. Allison Riggs came out of the Coalition for Social Justice, which was started by Anita Earls, who is also on the state Supreme Court. But all of those people that I just named, Rachel Hunt, Jeff Jackson, Allison Riggs, they're all white. And Josh Stein, they're all white. All are white, and they have primary opponents who are black. The likely outcome is that the top of the state ticket for Democrats is going to be all white. And the state Republican ticket, which is probably going to be led by Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, who wants to be the state's first black governor, right? You're going to have an all white slate on the Democrat side, and you're going to have a black guy at the top of the ticket for the Republicans. And For a party that heavily relies on black votes and campaigns as a champion of civil rights, these are not, as the assembly calls it, quote, ideal optics. (laughs) This is not the best look. Yeah, I imagine not. They go on to say here, no one thinks Robinson will win a majority of black voters, but in a razor-close election, even a small shift could prove decisive. You may, you may recall, or maybe not, Josh Stein won his race for attorney general in 2020 by fewer than 14,000 votes. It was very close. It was very close the first time he ran, too. 
There's another danger for Democrats. Black voters who believe the Democrat Party has taken them for granted. They may not show up in force in November. You add in the uh, disillusionment over uh, the demands for the ceasefire, right? If you're talking about a 2 3% uh, population inside the Democrat Party that now is like, we're not going to go over him because he won't, he won't condemn Israel. So they're going to stay home. And if you have some black voters that are going to stay home because they're not enamored with Biden because he hasn't fulfilled whatever promises uh, he made to them when he first ran, or they turn around and vote for Mark Robinson so they can see the first black governor. Polls show that black voters feel more disconnected from the Democrat Party now than at any point since the civil rights era. That's a problem. A new survey by the progressive organization Carolina Forward off the cliff found a dead heat between Stein and Robinson. Robinson claimed 11 percent of likely black voters and 26 percent more said that they were undecided or would not vote. And those voters could swing the election. If Josh Stein secures his party's nomination on March 5th, his campaign to win over its most loyal voters will have only just begun. Email from Ben to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. For someone who sa- this is a subject line race sent from my iPhone. For someone that says he isn't a racist, you sure talk about black versus white a lot. So uh, first off, Ben, a lot is two words. Two separate words. A space lot. Two different words. I know it's a common mistake people make. Okay, um, so number one. Number two, uh, why are you listening to a racist show? Ben, why would you do that? Why are you supporting a racist? Do your friends know that you support racism and racists? Man, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to look my friends in the face if I was listening to a racist, you know? My goodness. Now, Ben doesn't like me talking about this stuff, I think, because, uh, well, if I talk about it, then other people might be aware that all is not well in the paradise that is the Democrat Party primary. You got a problem with the, uh, you got a problem with the article at theassemblync.com? You should take it up with them. Lucille Sherman and Jeffrey Billman. Two white people, I believe. Um, So you can accuse them of being racists as well for daring to mention that Josh Stein might have a bit of a problem with black supporters inside the Democrat primary. No, I get it. You don't want you don't want Democrats to lose. I'm not. He says you trying to deflect deflect what, Ben? You're a bigot. What am I deflecting? Ben obviously believes, and Ben, you're a coward because you won't call the number, 704-570-1110. So Ben emails me, and he says these things to me via email because he doesn't have the cojones to tell these things and to discuss this stuff to my face. So he'll lob these from behind the, uh, the keyboard. Why are you listening to a racist? See, this is the thing. Ben uses these words as emotional blackmail. And here's the thing. Ben, I don't give a crap about what you call me. Because for me to care what you call me, I would have to care about your opinion, and I do not. I literally don't care. As a friend once said a long time ago, they have not developed a machine that could measure 
how little I care about what you think of me. I don't. See, so that's why it doesn't work. And I know that that works for a lot of other people. You've probably used this tactic as a weapon against many other people in the past, and maybe you've kind of got a little bit of enjoyment over watching them cower and try to, oh, I'm not, I'm not a racist. See, see, I don't care, Ben. Like, I know what your words mean, and they don't mean what you're saying. They, they don't mean what you think you mean. When you say these things, it means that you have no argument. It means that you have nothing to say. You have no logical, rational, intellectual position to advocate. And so you are coming at me with insults and attempting to shut me up, to make me surrender, to make me cower, to make me not want to be called the bad name. But that only works if I care about your opinion. And I don't. So call me. We'll talk it out. 704-570-1110. No one thinks Mark Robinson will win a majority of the black votes. But in a razor-close election, Josh Stein could lose if even a small shift occurs. Now, Ben may not like to acknowledge this truth, but it is true. When talking about electoral politics, there's one demographic that votes overwhelmingly for Democrats by a racial category, and that is black voters. And Ben doesn't want to acknowledge that, but it is the truth. And if black voters were to divide their votes among Republicans and Democrats, like every other racial category, then Democrats would never win again. They wouldn't. And Ben probably knows that. And so he doesn't want me talking about black voters not being a monolithic set of voters, that there is disagreement inside Democratic circles because blacks, just like every other group of people, are individuals. See, and that's really what chaps, I think, Ben a little bit, too, is I I actually view people as the individuals. Yes, there are demographic cohorts that you look at when talking about politics and turnout and results and that sort of thing. Obviously. However, the smallest minority is the minority of one. It is the individual. See, and that's a libertarian view. And maybe Ben's not comfortable with that. I view you as individuals. I don't, I don't spin out and assign, um, Uh, characteristics or attributes or motives to Ben or anybody else based on their race, which Ben, I think, does for a lot of people. Ben the bigot. So I'm fine to have the conversations about why certain demographics vote in certain ways. Sure, we can have those discussions and maybe see, you know, what happens if if the demographic starts voting in a different way. By the way, I saw a stat today, too. Do you know every single demographic... um, or gender demographic, I should say, uh, is votes majority for Republicans except for one, and that is uh, single women. So married women, married men, single men, married men. Three of the four vote Republican. The only cohort that does not vote a majority of the time for Republicans is single women. And it's a two-to-one split for Democrats. Am I not supposed to talk about married women and single women and married men and single men now? Or is that still allowed? I just need to know the rules, Ben. Am I not allowed to notice the the demographic similarities in electoral outcomes? All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? 
Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out the assembly nc uh with the big write-up talking about concerns inside the democrat party um over the lack of diversity at the top of the ticket because all of the front runners for their state council uh, the council of state races they're all white and this might be a problem for them in motivating their coalition to turn out and vote in the general election Now, Donald Trump's still going to be on the top of the ticket. So as much as that's going to animate North Carolina voters against, you know, Trump and all Republicans, that might do the trick, you know. But this piece is about Josh Stein, who has twice been elected when former President Trump won the state of North Carolina. But both of his victories were very, very close. Um, He ran several points behind Roy Cooper. In 2020, when Cooper won re-election, and Stein ran behind Mark Robinson when Robinson became the state's first black lieutenant governor. So Robinson beat Stein by 87,000 votes. That's a pretty sizable erosion from one race to the next. Because if you're looking at the ballot, you got governor, lieutenant governor, and then you have, like, attorney general. So... Robinson won more votes than Stein did. In 2022, Sherry Beasley narrowly lost her campaign for U.S. Senate, and Democrats were swept in statewide judicial races, in part because black turnout collapsed to about 42%. Democrats are very worried that that same thing is going to happen again. Sherry Beasley was at the top of the ticket in the U.S. Senate race in 2022. And if the Democrats can't motivate this key part of their coalition to turn out, that's a problem. Um, Colette Alston, who leads the state party's African-American caucus, said she only remembers Stein showing up, quote, whenever it was time for us to vote for him. There was no other time that there was a visit or any other kind of correspondence or anything. We haven't seen Josh Stein out in public around North Carolina, nowhere near as much as we've seen Mr. Morgan. That's, that's damning. That's pretty bad. When you tell, I mean, you've got a a leader of a key coalition inside your party saying that your, your, your front runner, Josh Stein doesn't ever show up, doesn't ever make appearances in certain parts of the state or in front of certain audiences and such, but Morgan's going all over. Now, part of that is because Mike Morgan has to. Right? As the underdog, he's got to hit every county. He's got to get in front of every single group that he can get in front of because he's got to elevate his name ID. Right, He's got to try to build momentum. So part of that is just sort of a natural dynamic. And if you are the front runner, you're making different kinds of decisions, like not debating, for example. That I've been critical of Mark Robinson for not debating, been critical of Trump and Biden and Ted Budd and everybody else who doesn't want to debate anymore. 
Democrats' playbook for this election, this year's election, is not a secret. Stein's campaign plans to attack Robinson over his incendiary comments about women, Jews, and LGBTQ people, and hype his conspiratorial inclinations and unflinching opposition to abortion rights. Right? So, culture wars. They're, Democrats think that this is the way to beat uh, Mark Robinson. And the goal is to convince suburban swing voters, even those who vote for Trump, that Mark Robinson is too extreme. The strategy has some risks, according to this piece at the Assembly. Some Democrats fear that Robinson's focus on social issues and views about women will appeal to church-going, culturally conservative black voters, particularly older men. Here is what uh, Colette Alston of the uh, African-American Caucus inside the state Democrat Party says, quote, within our culture, especially in the South, we're going to go to hell for certain things because of our religious thoughts. Mark Robinson can placate that type of voter. Black men can feel more empowered. And plus, he's black. And, you know, that's what I'm afraid of. This is one of the problems when you when you live by the uh, identity politics, you know. You live by it, you die by it. Robinson has been going around preaching in black churches throughout the state. He's been doing this his entire tenure as lieutenant governor. And I look, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of downside. I, you know, the, the quotes that have come out, the sound bites that have come out has got people worried on the right. Republicans are worried. Dale Falwell cites this stuff all the time. Democrats are going to highlight it. They're going to beat him up over all of the comments that he's been making from the pulpit, right? That's one of the downsides. Now, one of the upsides is that you don't know what kind of impact he's having in these individual churches unless you go and you're actually polling the churches, but nobody's doing that, you know? So he's getting he's getting these invites and he's making these appearances and he's like literally preaching to the choir, right? Is that going to yield him enough votes to offset what he loses in the suburbs. Morgan Jackson, who is a state uh, Democrat campaign consultant, he's working with Stein's campaign. Um, He says that every black voter that Robinson peels off will be offset by suburbanites who are turned off by Robinson's rhetoric. Quietly, some Democrats also believe, or maybe hope, at least a few Republicans won't vote for a black candidate, no matter how conservative he is. <laughs> so they're hoping, you know, fingers crossed, got a bunch of racists in the Republican Party that are going to vote against Mark Robinson. Which, by the way, uh, for our friends like Ben, the bigot, um, he, um, you know, he will not see evidence. If Mark Robinson does win, he will not see that as evidence that Republicans aren't racist. He won't see that as evidence. Dawn Blagrove, Blagrove, Blagrovi. She is the director of the civil rights group Emancipate NC. She says, quote, he can, talking about Josh Stein now, quote, he can run on his rhetoric, but he cannot run on his record. The uh, Racial Justice Task Force, remember Roy Cooper put that together and Josh Stein led it. It, because they were setting him up so he would have this, you know, on his resume. So when he runs for governor, it would look good for him. Um, 
The task force, she says, though, put forth recommendations that are very progressive and forward thinking and designed with an eye towards equity and fairness. Yet the criminal division of the attorney general's office under his leadership has consistently done everything in its power to uphold the racist status quo that exists within our criminal justice system. (laughs) You're never woke enough. (laughs) You're never woke enough. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon, on March 11th to be exact. DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sportsbooks with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Um, let me finish up this piece at the assembly. Dawn Blagrove, or Blagrove, the director of the civil rights group Emancipate NC. Dawn Blagrove is not a fan of Josh Stein. She said, uh, if black voters don't turn out in November, it won't necessarily be because the Democratic slate is all white. She said, quote, the bigger issue is that they got poopy candidates. They got bad candidates. That's what she says. The bigger issue is bad candidates, not the race. Mark Robinson is, quote, invigorating his base. And he is consistent. He's not trying to play both sides of the aisle. Stein is not that. Stein says one thing and does something completely different. Blagrove said she'll vote for Stein if he's the Democrat nominee, but, quote, there is nothing about his tenure as attorney general that will make me, a social justice advocate, excited about seeing him move to the governor's mansion. That's at theassemblync.com. And this other piece uh, that came also came out of the assembly talking about the Democrats shrinking tent. Talking about uh, Cecil Brockman, state representative um, out of High Point area. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, uh, Ben, the bigot, has some more emails to uh, to to share with me. So let's see here. It's uh, do, 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 do. Oh, when I said, why are you listening to a racist? He says to know your enemy, you must study them. So good to know. Ben considers me to be his enemy. Good to know, Ben. I will still treat you as a human being. Um, you know, I'm not going to call you my enemy. Uh, I'm going to say you're you're still an American, and uh, I'm going to afford you the the dignity and respect that I would afford anybody else. Now, if you prefer to continue down the particular course you have embarked upon, that's fine. I am happy to oblige that as well. Um, but I'm going to start from the benefit of the doubt position. Let's see what else he has to say. Because um, he just keeps emailing. He just keeps sending more and more emails, just sending out like their text messages. Yeah. Uh, see, you automatically think I'm black and I vote Democrat. Wrong. I'm an independent. Uh, well, no, I think you told me you're black a long time ago, Ben. Um, I don't 
automatically assume that you vote Democrat. Um, but that is where the stats show, right? That's I mean, that's that's where they that's where they lean when you look at the demographic numbers of where people vote and you break it out by the different cohorts. That is generally where most of African-American voters lean. They vote for Democrats. But that being said, I treat people as individuals and you have displayed yourself to be a bigot and you've just called me the enemy. Hence my assessment of your political philosophy. Now you can call yourself independent and that's fine. There's no such thing. You may be unaffiliated and by your registration with the North Carolina Board of Elections, you may very well be unaffiliated. But you also vote in primaries, right? I could probably go find your primary record and find out which primaries you tend to vote in, right? But that doesn't really tell me everything about you because I vote in Democrat primaries because I live in an area that's controlled by Democrats. So I have very limited options, and especially in like the local races, I can vote in the local uh, primary. So that doesn't really tell you a whole heck of a lot. Um, but I vote, I have voted for Democrats. I have voted for Republicans. I tend to lean more towards Republicans. And this is also what the data shows that even when people claim to be unaffiliated and quote independent, as you've self identified, um, they're actually the unaffiliated in North Carolina are vote in a more partisan fashion than even people who are registered by party affiliation. Did you know that? Again, not everyone, Right. These are generalities because the truth is general. That's why these these ideas exist. That's why the because somebody runs the data, they do the polling, and then it turns out, oh, look at this. You see a trend line. You see these um, behaviors. Once you see the behaviors, you can then keep track of them, which we've done. That has been done by political scientists and pollsters and the like. Now, you may not like the results, but that doesn't make them not true. And they may not apply to you as an individual, but it does apply to a large enough group of people that make up the majority. So when talking about the truth in general, the generalities apply, right? And that doesn't make somebody racist, Ben. So once again, like you can keep using the word, you can keep calling people the word. But I would go back to your prior email when you said, know your enemy. I would submit to you that your... uh, your lesson plan is is crap, is garbage. Because if this is what you have determined after listening to all of the shows that you listen to and listen for as long as you do, you hate listening. <laughs> uh, if that's what you have determined and this is what you think you, you've learned about me is that, you need to listen to a lot more. You need to listen to way more. That's pretty sad. So it either it either indicates a stunted level of understanding or a willful misreading. Right? Or I guess a third option is that you do view me as the enemy and you are simply uninterested in an honest uh, uh, debate or disagreement. You're not interested in that. You are simply interested in destruction. If that's the case, uh, then, OK, that's I mean, that's definitely going to change the nature of our relationship. Notably, like I'll just start moving all your stuff into uh, into Spam folders. Um, He goes on to say, I do not vote just because someone has an R or D beside their name, but whatever platform they are running on. 
But again, you made the assumption that because I said something opposing you, I must be a black Democrat. I, no, I didn't say that. I said you didn't want me talking about the problems inside the Democrat Party. You didn't want me noticing these things. You didn't want me talking about these things. And by the way, remember, you said uh, I said what I said after you called me a racist. And the only reason you call people that is to shut down debate. So maybe you didn't appreciate being called a name, I guess, Ben. I don't know. Um, I do not need to be listening to a racist. So as of today, I'll refrain from listening. Yes! Awesome! I did it! Ben is no longer going to listen to the show. That's fantastic, Ben. Look, no, I mean, okay, fine. I'm not going to be happy that I lost a listener. I'm never happy to lose a listener. But it is far outweighed by the joy that I feel. And it is joy. That I have spared somebody mental pain. Somebody's going to be happier now because of me. I mean, if you go through your entire life just trying to bring a little bit of joy into other people's lives, right? And then you you find out that your effort did produce some joy in someone's life. I tell people this all the time. Like, if you hate listening to my show, if you hate me, you hate what I say, you hate how I sound, you whatever, please find something else to listen to. I really do want you to be happy. I don't want you to listen to something that angers you. Life is too short, people. So I am glad to hear that Ben is no longer going to be listening to the program. Life is too short for Ben. It's too short for me. He should go listen to people that just uh, reinforce all of his uh, uh, existing beliefs it will make him much happier. And a lot of people are like that. But Ben the Bigot, we bid you adieu. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. 